For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Jive! And, of course, TM Pal Media. This is the, this well, is no the theme song. Uh, is it? Yep, this is what I play every time TM's on. Movies by Alien Ant Farm. You know, I didn't even realize that. That's neat. Yeah. Cute, cool. right? I like it. I'm sure he appreciates it. Um, let's go to the hotline right now and talk to him, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. He's a rag on the show. He is our movie critic, your movie critic. Uh, this is TM Pal. What's up, bud? Dude gave me a theme song. I like it. <laughs> Are you an sweet, alien yeah. ant farm fan? <laughs> I don't mind them, put it that way. Same. It's not a bad song to come out to. I think you always think about that. Like when people were coming out talking about how they were really going to do the punch out, like really get into it, come in with music. I'm like, man, I like wonder what my walk down music would be. Like, would it be something stupid and silly? Like it's a joke or would I take it seriously or be something fun? I pretty much came to the conclusion. I would definitely come down to a song that everybody knew that everyone could kind of sing to real quick because that will get everybody pumped up. So if I got knocked out, it wouldn't matter. I still made everybody happy. <laughs> well, consider Alien Ant Farm movies if you ever do fight in a punch-out. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, we'll keep that. But I'm never fighting in the punch-out. <laughs> so we're good. Doesn't seem like a good time, does it? I, uh, I did that recently. I was at a comedy show, and the uh, sound booth operator said, what do you want for your walk-up music to the stage? And I said, oh, I don't care, man. And I was really just trying to, to you know, not be a problem. You know, most of the time I don't care. It's whatever, you know. Uh, and then I went up to uh, Let's Hear It for the Boy by Denise Williams, which I thought was uh, it was a classic, but I was uh, it was a little weird, you know, walking up to that. And, My baby may not be cute. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought was it was gonna something. be this one. Ooh. Yes. Not bad. Oh, this is the freaking music video. No, that's the song. That's how the real song goes. No, that's how it starts. Yeah. It starts yeah. Like, oh, really? Uh huh. Interesting. Oh yeah, they they give their attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time, Johnny, oh, I would go up on stage to that. 100. percent That's a jam, dude. That's your theme song, bro. That's fine. Okay, good. I'm glad you like I it. I don't care. I did it as a joke, but I'm glad you like it. I don't care, man. I don't care. They could they could pour gallons of milk on me as I'm walking up on stage. I don't care. It's all about entertaining, you know. It's, it's about the crowd, not me. So, uh, speaking of entertaining, TM Powell, you have seen uh, a movie that uh, I'm quite interested in. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 88 percent right now at the beginning of their votes, and I believe it premieres tonight, if I'm not mistaken, if not tomorrow. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which sounds like a movie about me, but it's not. Explain to people. It's Nick Cage in an action movie about Nick Cage, or am I wrong? So it's very meta. I will tell you that. Like, fourth wall breaking at times. You know, it, it really it's breaking the fourth wall on itself, if that makes sense. Not really to the audience, more more of, like, himself, if that makes sense. Like, but it, it is it is supposed to be Nicolas Cage. Now, it's a heightened version of Nicolas Cage, kind of like with Matt LeBlanc on episodes or 
you know, other shows where people have played themselves. This is a, you know, kind of a heightened version of him. But I do think there's some truth kind of bleeding through because it's, you know, it's a lot like, hey, you know, you know, I, I do this as a job. That's why I've been doing all these movies, direct a video. It's a job. I want to keep working. I didn't want to stop working. You know, like he explains that in the movie. And the other right. job, she'll be like, you know, I never went away. <laughs> he keeps saying that to himself, you know. And he's kind of right. He was still working and doing everything. But, you know, it, it wasn't on the same level, I guess, we were used to from him because, once upon a time, I mean, he was like one of the biggest action stars out there. You know, the stretch of, you know, The Rock, you know, Con Air, Face Off. Say what you want about those 90s action movies now looking back on them. But they were huge at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of my favorite Nick Cage movies, and we'll get that too. We'll get the, we'll get there in a minute. I want to hear, like, yes, what you he, thought of Unbearable Weight. Yeah. Yeah, so basically what the story revolves around is, He's kind of got some financial troubles, and he's missing out on roles. So somebody offers him to come to basically his, like, place overseas to spend his – spend like, have a party with him, to be with him for, like, $1 million. That's what he's going to pay him. Just come hang out, be with him, you know, for $1 million. And that's played by Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian. And oh, yeah. it's a lot about – there's all these other twists and turns, like the CIA gets involved because they think this guy may be shady. But it's also about, like, their kind of adventures together in, like, kind of a foreign land. I will say there are moments that are very funny in it. I mean, just, you know, hilarious. And I think it's it's smart at times, but then other times I will say it's a little hot and cold with the quirkiness and, you know, the meta humor and everything else. There's some things that really work in it. And then I just think there are some things that a little bit of missed opportunities, the way the film morphs kind of almost into a Nicolas Cage film by the end of it. But I, I still thought it was entertaining. I still thought it was fun. And I thought Nicolas Cage was great in it. Like, it was the perfect role for him playing himself. It was very, you know, self-serving in a lot of ways, but it probably was a little bit therapeutic for him as well to kind of explain to people, hey, you know, I just kept working. It may not have been the movies you thought, you know, that I should be in, but I just wanted to keep working, and that's what I did. And listen, they do make light of the financial problems because I think Nick Cage has been married like three or four times, you know. He's, yeah. he's probably got some alimonies to pay. And, you know, he had some financial risk, you know. He was a big spender. He loved, like, you know, nostalgia and memorabilia stuff. You know, big comic book guy. So, I mean, yeah, they talk about their financial stuff. But at the end, you know, they still make that comment of, you know, you never went anywhere. You're still Nick Cage. And that's what it's about. And I do think people still like him. Like, I mean, we, we like him because I think a lot of us have, like, kind of a nostalgic feeling for him. But at the same time, I mean, dude's got an Oscar. And he's got another Oscar nomination besides that. It wasn't like he was some just an action star like Nicolas Cage was a great actor he still is yeah I really I thought Face Off was one of the most underrated movies in the 90s I I thought him and Travolta were so good in that movie because you really felt the characters when they when they flipped you know faces and uh I don't know what did he win an Oscar for what what movie leaving Las Vegas that's right. Another good one. Yeah. So, yeah. And that was just a couple years like before dad, that. It's the most depressing movie, but that's what he won for. And I'm pretty sure he's, okay. he's nominated for adaptation, too, where he's playing twin brothers in that, which is an excellent film. Um, and, and I could be wrong about that. I'm, I'm maybe talking on my ass, but, I, you know, I, he was very good in that film. And, and he's also done some fun voice work. I mean, he was awesome as Spider-Man Noir and Into the Spider-Verse recently. Yeah. Yeah, and he, yeah, Face Off is, you know, it's all over the top, but in all the right ways, if that makes any sense. It's ridiculous, but it's I awesome. Know. And one of the reasons it's awesome is Nick Cage is so great at it. Yeah, he he was a fantastic. Definitely 
the better between him and John Travolta, but I also thought it was one of Travolta's better roles too. Uh, but yeah, just super entertaining and all that. Uh, man, going through his movies though, how many how many movies is Nick Cage in? I mean, a, a ton. I mean, just starring roles. But when you're talking about like supporting roles, my God, this guy is he's almost uh, Kevin Pollack with the with this IMDb here with all the movies he's in. It's doesn't, nuts. Isn't his thing is that he doesn't say no to anything if they pay him enough money? He does it because he spent like he was in so much debt, so he has to work to pay off that debt, right? Yeah, they hinted that at the movie, and there's some, you know, probably some blending of reality there, if that makes any sense, probably in real life. It's the truth. He said, you know, I'm an actor. That's what I do. I, I want to keep working. Like, that's what the movie character kind of explains himself. Like, hey, you know, there was jobs. I, this is what I do. What was I supposed to do? Not work? You know? Right. So, And a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. But he's been at it for, I mean, a long time. He's in Valley Girl. And, and I, listen, I was going to find a way to talk about this, but I, I say to this day, if Raising Arizona comes out today, it's showered with Oscars, considering how we all feel about the Coen brothers now. Back then, uh-huh. people didn't know what to think of. And I've said this before. I mean, it may not be my favorite movie. Trust me. It's it's definitely one of my favorite movies. But when I, like, kind of call something out as, like, a perfect movie, like, hey, that's a perfect movie for what it's supposed to be. That is perfect. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get much better than Raising Arizona. I mean, the, the, the first 15 minutes of that movie explain the whole movie to you. Lay it all uh-huh. out in front of you. Get rid of all the exposition in 15 minutes in a really fun way. Like, you know, with, you know, he keeps getting arrested and everything else, and then they get married, and then explains the whole story to you. And I also think it's a little underrated for a couple of the action scenes. I mean, I know everyone's laugh when he robs the place and he's running with the pampers and everything else, but that scene is, like, really well done, how it's edited and put together and filmed and shot in the pacing. Yeah. And then, obviously, the showdown at the end with the biker from hell. So, right, I mean, right. there's a lot of great things in it, but I, the biggest thing to me about Raising Arizona is, is the, the story is, has a lot of heart. I mean, for, I mean, it's, it's about baby kidnapping, yeah. but at the end, you still feel terrible for that family, even though they were so in the wrong. Yeah, yeah. They just want to have a baby, you know? Poor how. Uh, my favorite line, though, in the whole movie. Do you want to guess what my favorite in the whole movie is? Well, there's so many. That's the other thing about Raising Arizona. It's so quotable. Mine, I, I will tell you mine. Mine is uh, so many social engagements, so little time. <laughs> That's a good one. Table eating breakfast. Yeah. Mine is, mine is, uh, do these balloons come in funny shapes? Well, if you think round's funny, I don't know why that's so good to me, man. It's so funny. Every time I saw the movie, There's that, so that many... cracked me up. Yeah. I got mine right here, There's ready to so go. What is it? Things. Listen, listen. Go ahead. Government, do take a bite, don't you? <laughs> Boy, you got a penny on your head. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. So good. And there's just so many great scenes, too. I mean, I, I always laugh at, at the fart scene where the kids really know or he knows his ABCs. Hit the deck yeah. boy. Screw the yeah. M&M's at the kid. You're going to make me watch it this weekend. I'm going to watch it. Dang it. Yeah, it's so, it's so good. And I think it's one of those movies, like, the more you watch it, the better it gets. And it's just grown over time. And I always say, man, look at that cast. I mean, you have Francis McDormand yeah. hiding out in like a small supporting role. John Goodman's in it, who is awesome in it. Holly uh-huh. Hunter, Nicolas Cage. You got two Oscar winners right there in it. And and then there's just all these great supporting characters. Like Nathan, the guy that plays Nathan in Arizona is great. I mean, I can't say on the radio, but when they're talking about describing the, the jammies he was wearing, <laughs> one yeah. of the funniest things ever that Yoda was on them. Put it that way. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Now, 
big movies coming out to move forward. Um, we have what? Uh, I'm trying to think of the big one coming out this month. Is it the Doctor Strange coming out in May? Is that the big one? First of May is Doctor Strange. That'll be a big one. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to be Spider-Man big. See, that's the thing is, you know, I still think it's funny that, you know, there's some people still blaming COVID for their poor box office returns. And, yeah, they may have a point overseas. But I said that that all went out the window when Spider-Man made a billion dollars. I mean, it's, yes. it's, we, we can't use that excuse because there you go. And, and they're like, well, yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, that, but that's the point. It still did what it was supposed to do being Spider-Man. So right. I think Doctor Strange is the next big one. Um, I will see that. I already have my invite in my inbox for that, which is great. And they are kind of holding it a little bit close to the release date for us. And they were definitely kind of, you know, bringing it up in the email about, you know, not spoiling things. So I definitely think we have a lot of cameos and a lot of interesting things in, in that movie. And this will be one of the first ones Marvel gets. We had the Thor Love and Thunder trailer this week, too, which they finally released. And I was happy with that trailer not showing much. Uh, because I do think over the last decade, we've gotten to a habit of, well, not we, but studios have gotten a habit of spoiling everything in the trailers. I mean, right. just spoiling it all. You know, it, I mean, poor comedies. I mean, they really spoil some stuff in comedy. But, yes. but really spoiling some major things. And I think, you know, what we talked about all last year about when they kept dropping the Spider-Man trailers but weren't showing the Spider-Man. And we were all laughing, like, oh, come on, we know they're in it. We know they're in it. That was a brilliant move at the end of the day that they didn't show them. They didn't ruin what was special about their movies. So, yeah, they didn't show Christian Bale in the trailer. You know, he's going to play the villain. I think that's a big deal for Marvel is getting someone like that involved. But, yeah. you know, the, the one thing I said about the trailer is you had me at Guns N' Roses. As soon as I heard Splash's guitar, yep. all in. Yeah, that that all the Thor movies are pretty good. You know, they're going to be super entertaining. The trailer was really, really good. Also, we have uh, Top Gun which is yes. that's supposed to be next month also, right? I think that is in June, I believe. Okay. And, um, or, and that's going to be one that I think a lot of us are sleeping on. Now, I know a lot of people roll their eyes like, oh, it's just come out two years ago. Well, there was a lot of things that were supposed to come out, when they, you know, and they didn't. So this right. has been one that has suffered the delay because we've talked about this. Cruise is huge international. You've got to have that international market open when you release this film. You have to do it with them because that's how you're going to make your money back with this. But I, I do think that there's a big nostalgia factor that in Top Gun that people are, are overlooking. Uh, you know, I hosted a Top Gun screening at Tampa Theater a couple I years remember, ago. remember, yeah. And, you know, I was going to host a couple like The Wizard of Oz. You know, and I knew there'd be crowds there for something like that. But when I got there, I was like, man, it's going to be like 40 people here. You know, <laughs> like, right. I'm like, you know, opening this thing up, there's going to be no one out here. When I peeked out the curtain, I mean, it was full house. And it was people of all different ages. Now, I know Tampa Theater's nostalgic, and they do the summer movie series, which is awesome there. I love it to go see older movies on the big screen. But still, right. that's people seeking out that movie. And that was a movie they chose that they thought they could bring in an audience with, and they did. So I think there's a lot of nostalgia with that. And also, I, I think it can work because you can update it for today and, and you know make it a passing of the torch. And I think that's what they're going to do with it, and I'm fine with that. Listen, it worked Ghostbusters after, Afterlife. It should work with Top Gun Maverick. If you can pass the baton and make these franchises keep going while still connecting to the old movies, that's the best route you can go because people love nostalgia. Yeah, it looks good to me, too. And I'm, I'm, the, it, the reason why I'm asking, because these are the ones that I plan on seeing. Um, also, I'm going to go down the line. These are the ones that I've actually kind of put a check mark next to that I'm, that I'm going to go see. Um, Jurassic World, is that going to be summer or is that coming sooner? 
That's June. Jurassic World. Yeah, uh, the, the, that's the third one. And uh, that, you know, Dominion, that's going to be interesting because they're all in that. Once again, we talk about the nostalgia. Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, all in this one with, the, obviously, Chris Pratt, you know, and Bryce Dallas Howard. So you're going to see this whole franchise kind of come together as one. Now, I'll be honest with you. I thought the last Jurassic World movie stunk. I thought it was uh-huh. silly. I didn't think it was very good. It was a mess of the story. But I love Jurassic World. I thought it had some flaws, but as far as nostalgia and giving me a fun story and just kind of getting that franchise up and going again, and the idea of the theme park again, like how they actually pulled it off, you know, that's what I liked. I was like, I could watch a fake documentary just about the theme park, you right. know, like just something like that. But I'm hoping that they go out, you know, with a big roar. I want them to see them do well at the end. I, I don't want to see them go out with a whimper. And, you know, I think if they can just tie it all together and bring all this nostalgia back to it, they have a chance of doing it. And I also think the idea of having the dinosaurs loose in the state is a cool yeah. idea. And maybe they do make more. And maybe they do make more, you know, after this with a different group. But I think as far as this group of the park people and the world people in the Jurassic franchise, this is going to be their bookend. This will be their closing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me is that it's not set in just the park. They they get out in the world. They're in the real ocean. You know, you see this big giant. Uh, I don't know. Looks like a huge alligator, but it's you know the size of a megalodon. And you see, you know these uh, these you know T Rexes walking through city streets and all that. That's going to make it cool, I think, for a lot of people. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I agree. They they have to have a makeup for that last one because it was. It was laughable, you know. I, I, that's it was, yeah, it was ridiculous in some scenes. Yeah. And they had a cool idea. What I said is they just got off the island too quick. And when they got back to that auction, it was silly. Like, what the hell are you doing getting off the island? That's where all the interesting stuff's going to happen, and you're mm-hmm. done with it halfway through the movie. It just it made no sense. It reminded me of a lot of The Lost World when they got off the island and took it to San Diego. It just got to be like a Looney Tunes cartoon at that point. Absolutely. Will, do you have any questions about any movies? Not movies, but I did see something today in TV that I thought was very interesting. I saw a report that Stranger Things 4, which I guess is the last season, yeah. $30 million an episode? What? Insane. Did you hear that, $30 million for the whole season, they said, yeah. And they're all going to be over an hour long. And, yes, yeah, they're saying $30 million an episode. Now, I will say this. Uh, you know, series like Falcon and the Winter Soldier... WandaVision, you know, Hawkeye, obviously now Moon Knight, they carry big price tags, and they're sometimes smaller, you know, but they're carrying pretty decent-sized movie budget price tags. But when I saw that today, I was like, oh, my God. Now, they've been gone a while. So I will say this. Their expectations coming back may be insurmountable. They've been gone too long. We saw this with the Sopranos, Johnny. Remember how we Mm -hmm. acted when the Sopranos came back? It was never good enough for us because they were gone for so long. You know, they would be gone forever. And and I, there's a part of me that worries that they've been gone a long time. Uh, but the fact that I heard that they're dumping all this money into it, and, I, you know, by the looks of the trailers, it looks cool. Now, I will say this. This isn't the last season. They'll go one more time in season five, and they'll probably break it up. What I was going to see, what I w- was going to wait and see what they do, but I think they're too far down the line, is if they do staggered episode releases. Now, I know they're doing like Ozark with part one and part two of the season at different times. Yeah. But I'm talking about a true stack, Johnny, week to week, because I will tell you that that's one thing I think Netflix has going against them, where Disney Plus or like a Hulu, uh, you know, or any uh, HBO Max's original series, they're going week to week, like with Peacemaker. You know, you have mm-hmm. it week to week. So you continuously have buzz for two months. Sometimes in Netflix, 
the buzz is over with in about a week and a half because everybody's binged it right away. But that was that's the that was the thing about the app that was so great is that you could sure. binge shows. And I mean, Netflix's stock price is in the toilet right now. They're blaming it on yeah. people sharing passwords, um, which I mean could be true, but I'm sure it's a lot of different things. But thirty million dollars an they're, episode. They're also fifteen ninety nine. They're they're more right. expensive than anybody else these days. Yeah. And here's the deal: when they had that instant gratification where they gave you everything at once, there wasn't a Disney Plus, there wasn't an HBO Max, right. there wasn't a Hulu that was really up and going. Now you have shows like Only Murders in the Building on Hulu making noise. Pam and Tommy. Um, the same thing with HBO Max. Obviously with Peacemaker, and they're going to do more DC shows there. Uh, and and uh, you know we all know about Disney Plus what they've done. I mean they have stormed onto the market, you know, and just yeah. you know way surpassed any subscribers they thought they were going to get. And I, I sometimes I've said lately too that Netflix hasn't pulled me in because they have so many originals that they pump them out that I think things get lost in the mix. They also have a lot of trashy television now, and that seems to be taking over. I've said nothing's really pulling me in like it used to. Obviously, yeah. there's a couple things here and there, but it's not like how it was when, listen, we, we canceled Kevin Spacey, but at one point there were Strange Things, there was House of Cards, there was a lot of different shows on that Netflix had that were big shows. But even Amazon Prime, they have a ton of stuff. The Boys yeah. is a big show on Amazon Prime, and that Marvelous you know, Miss kind Maisel. of there. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Jack Ryan. Yeah. There's a lot more streamers doing quality work and I think Netflix just became this factory where they were just cashing checks and getting everybody in and throwing stuff out there. And like I said, there's there's too many movies and too much stuff over there. And, yeah, you can find stuff every once in a while, like a Squid Game, like a Bird Box. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they're becoming few and far in between. It's not like how they used to be where they had a couple of main series and that was it. I can't believe I poured all my money. All my For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.